0: Leadership is almost every day about some element of change. Deciding what needs to change is its own challenge. But even more complex is how to bring people along with you. On this episode, how to engage the human part of the change process. This is Coaching for Leaders, episode 571.
1: Produced by Innovate Learning, maximizing human potential.
0: Greetings to you from Orange County, California. This is Coaching for Leaders, and I'm your host, Dave Stehoviak. Leaders are born, they're made. And this weekly show helps you discover leadership wisdom through insightful conversations. Of course, so much of leadership is really about change. In fact, one of the definitions I love most about leadership is that leadership is really how you answer the question of change. It's such an incredibly important competency for us to be able to handle as leaders, not only change for ourselves, but how do we lead change well inside our organizations and how do we support others through change today i'm really glad to have an expert on change with us who's going to help us not only look at change through the lens of ourselves but perhaps more importantly how do we do a better job at leading change inside our organizations and looking at the human element of it. I'm so pleased to welcome Cassandra Worthy to the show. She enables organizations and individuals to grow through major change and significant shift by harnessing the power of emotion, whether undergoing merger, acquisition, startup explosive growth or significant contraction. The strategies and tools of change enthusiasm are motivating and energizing workforces worldwide. Her consulting firm was birthed from the pain and challenges she overcame as a corporate executive. She created and cultivated the growth strategy of change enthusiasm to reach fulfilled success. Her client base spans the Fortune 500, including Procter & Gamble, Allstate, Jones-Lang, LaSalle, Centene Corporation, Conference Direct, and WeWork. She's a chemical engineer by training and also brings over a decade of M&A experience distilled down into the critical leadership traits required to lead with exception during high-stress times of change and transformation. She's the author of Change Enthusiasm, How to Harness the Power of Emotion for Leadership and Success. Cassandra, what a pleasure to have you on the show.
1: What it do, Dave. Thank you so much for having me. This is, this is about to be the highlight of my week. Thank you uh, so much. Oh, me
0: too. I enjoyed the book so much. Uh, I mentioned to you before we started recording that one of our Academy members is utilizing your book as a framework for having a conversation about change in her organization over the next year. And it really got me curious about your work. And as I got into it, one of the things that I recognized and you say in your work a lot is that you're the biggest student of what you teach. And it was interesting that you went through some major changes yourself and you almost quit after a big change in your career a while back.
1: Tell me about that experience. Yeah, that's correct. But first off, let me just thank your colleague for buying the book, engaging in the book, and now sharing the content with, with her organization. That it just means the world. You know, as, as authors, we, we put our thoughts, we put our words out there and hopes that they'll add value to at least one person. Uh, and so to hear how it's being embraced, it just, it, it lights me up. So thank you for sharing that. But yeah, I, I almost quit for sure when I really started to cultivate and create a growth mindset now what I've coin change enthusiasm. But yeah, I'm a chemical engineer by trade, and I spent a large amount of my professional career working in the consumer packaged goods industry. Uh, and I was working for a very large company who went through a big acquisition, a multi-billion dollar acquisition. And I transferred into that business about four years after the acquisition closed. And when I, it, it involved a location change as well. So I left one city, went to another, and basically it was in the headquarters of this newly acquired business or recently acquired business. And it was very much so like I had quit a company that I'd come to love and that I'd grown up in and started working at a different company. The culture was just very different. And it was a very us versus them type of mentality. And I felt like all of the ideas, all of the, the gumption, all of the momentum that I wanted to build in the organization to make things better uh, was just met with a lot of resistance, a lot of resistance. And so it was really tough. And I was wrought with you know, what I now call signal emotions, right, the frustration, anger, and I experienced that almost every day. And it was to the point where every day I walked into the building, I thought it was gonna be my last day, that I would finally just get up and that I would quit. And it was when I decided to engage with a mentor who was also a transferee into that acquired company, but she was very high up in the organization. And I, you know, basically lamented to her about how horrible my work experience was. And she gave me some very, very sage wisdom and something that she had probably heard in her career. Um, But I always attribute this pivot point to her. She told me, Cassandra, you can either get bitter or you can get better. And ultimately, it's your choice. Now, I will tell you that I was not nearly as evolved <laughs> in that moment as I am right now. Because when she told me that at first, it just pissed me off because it's like, OK, that means you're not going to do anything. Uh, you know, I was telling her everything short of like firing these people that I was struggling with. But uh, after a, a few days, you know, I really started to let those words better and better sit with me and, and embrace this idea that I did have power, that I could control how I experience the change, how I experienced the culture. And I started making little changes, little changes that eventually became really big changes in the way that I engaged with my colleagues and the way that I was contributing and delivering. And I started to learn and I started to actually Just seeing things from a different perspective and really beginning to enjoy my colleagues, really beginning to understand those cultural dynamics that were driving a wedge in a lot of the um, engagements and execution across the technical community. And it was huge. It was huge. These choices that I made and stepping into, you know, me having ownership and control of how I experienced change. And for me, it was a really huge pivot point as I thought about dealing with tough change with tough disruption that served me in future acquisitions that I saw when still working in corporate and ultimately became the foundation of of my training and consulting firm. And now this growth mindset that I teach all over the world.
0: You mentioned a few moments ago that you showed up during that time before making that shift of thinking today's going to be my last day often. When you started showing up with the new mindset, what was different about your thinking that? made you not want to leave.
1: Yeah. And and don't get me wrong. This is not like a a switch was flipped and all of a sudden I was like, you know, hoorah, yay, yay, let's do this. This is the best business in the world. Right, right. (laughs) It was definitely a progression. But what changed for me is allowing those really difficult emotions that I was feeling to welcome me into an opportunity to choose, to welcome me into an opportunity to explore, okay, what's possible for me in this moment? I'm feeling some anger, I'm feeling some frustration, but I have the power to choose and I can control how I experience this. So what are my options? How can I engage in a different way? How can I step out of this better? Whether it be learning from a colleague in interaction, whether it be learning more about the business, whether it just be learning more about myself, what can I choose to be better in this moment? And it's really through shifting that mindset uh, and really having a different perspective on those natural emotional energies that we all feel um, that bubble up, you know, for some of us on a daily basis. And these emotions that, that I now view as gifts and really a, a natural uh, inheritance, right, of our species. And I, I say that it's a resource. It's a resource and it's an infinite supply. So in, I, in the early days of working this, it was recognizing and really remaining in tune with me with those emotional energies, knowing how they manifest through me, what were the physiological responses, and then allowing them to welcome me into these moment-to-moment opportunities to choose, to choose how I would grow and how I would evolve uh, in that moment. And yeah, it just just became more momentum being built around having that mindset. And and it was curious because things just started to shift around me, right? It's, It's like in the book, I talk about this phenomenon of emotional contagion. And it's something that's been well-studied, and it's the fact that our emotions can actually get caught by other individuals. Um, And I'm sure we've all experienced that, right? Being around someone who's really, really down, and when we leave, we feel down, too. These emotions can be caught. And so what happened was, with me always making an effort to choose my better and, and seeing where there was opportunity for me to grow, that energy became contagious And there were people who then wanted to work on my teams. There were people who wanted to be a part of my organization. And it was really interesting what happened around me when I made the choice to take control of how I experienced the culture and how I experienced the change. I started to see changes around me and my employees and my peers and ultimately in the cultural fiber and fabric of of the organization, which was really cool.
0: (laughs) Yeah, indeed. It's really savvy of you to have gone through that experience and then to have stopped and listened to the mentor that you had and to yeah. reflect on that. And my my sense is is that there's a lot of people who go through what you went through and I've sure, certainly you and I'm sure have run into a lot of them over the years where they don't have that experience, where the organization hasn't really created a space where change can can happen, And it really reminds me of a couple of the points you make in the book and the pitfalls that leaders tend to make when going through a time of change. And one of them you highlight is that uh, we as leaders tend to diminish negative emotions. And the, the message is often, if not explicit, sort of implicit, that you're not a team player if you're sort of struggling with this or you're talking about the tough emotions that you have. And I'm, I'm sort of curious how this plays into what you call signal emotions. And I was wondering if you could tell us about that and, and how that plays into our tendency as leaders to, like, diminish some of those negative emotions out there.
1: Yeah, oftentimes when we're in a position where we're held responsible for making a change initiative successful, our leadership, our shareholders, the board is depending on us to to find success. We are wanting every single person in the organization to immediately get on board and begin seeing the result and the success of that initiative because our salaries, our bonuses rely upon its success. And so when we feel those, what I call signal emotions, so any frustration or anger or maybe fear or anxiety being felt in the organization, there's a tendency to want to shy away from that, there's a tendency to step into it with blind optimism and blind positivity, basically inviting people to ignore <laughs> those emotions and get on board, right? And just get on board and, and move forward. And I often tell folks when we look to ignore or diminish that emotional energy or leave that emotion at the door, it's, it's like we're leaving humanity at the door and not really embracing the authentic power of those in our organization. Um, when we are fully in our, in our authentic power, we are emotional beings, point blank, right? And so I think we do a huge disservice to the workforce and ultimately probably to our change initiative when we don't recognize those more difficult emotions and provide employees with a means, with a tool and a strategy to, to share those emotions while seeing them as gifts and truly invitations into opportunities to grow, not only to grow the business, but also to grow themselves and work on their own personal development. And that's what we at Change Enthusiasm Global are are seeking to do, right? It's not just a matter of, hey, it's gonna be difficult, change is tough, but suck it up, leave your emotion at the door, we gotta do it. It's, hey, how are you managing the change? How can I support you? Flexing that tool of empathy and allowing those emotions to flow while then recognizing that they're all, you're all in a moment of opportunity. This initiative is going to mean the business will grow. It's going to mean the business will be better. It's going to mean that we're going to delight our customers and our clients in a better way. And along the way, you also are going to have the opportunity to grow as a contributor, as an innovator, as an individual. And through it all, I'm here to support you. And I think the other byproduct of this is when you can recognize that emotional energy, invite it and not have employees ignore it or invite them to ignore it, then you can embrace the fact that everyone wears change differently. Everyone is gonna wear the change differently. They're gonna, some people who are gonna be gung-ho, they're gonna be ready, let's do this, while others will be much more reserved and perhaps even resistant when you introduce a big change initiative. But so embrace that as leaders, know that everyone wears it differently, express that powerful skill of empathy and have that uh, level of confident vulnerability with your employees, knowing that though the difficult emotions are there, that we will be better when we get through this initiative and you're there with them walking side by side.
0: Yeah, it's such a helpful framework you present in the book of the steps of change enthusiasm. And it really does start with these signal emotions. And I think often unintentionally, as leaders, we tend to send that message of, okay, let's not dwell on that too much. Let's get to the point where we really see the opportunity and the choice, as you talk about in the book. And yet my, my sense is, is that when you try to, as a leader, get people to rush through the signal emotion piece that you never actually really get to a place where they're able to see opportunity and choice. Am I oversimplifying that or is that is that accurate? No,
1: I think that's true because the emotion just becomes stale and it stays with them and oftentimes it can cloud it can cloud seeing that opportunity. And and as leaders sometimes it can cloud our judgment and cloud our decision making. You know, as as an engineer I like to think of emotion as energy, you know, and Peter McWilliams Said at first that emotion is energy in motion. And if our bodies are these closed systems, then, you know, an energy can never be created or destroyed. Newton's third law of thermodynamics. We have three things we can do with this emotional energy. We can either conserve it, we can transfer it, or we can transform it, right? If we conserve it, then we're just bottling it up, we're just keeping it inside. And eventually it's going to come spewing out. And oftentimes it's to friends, it's to family, to people who don't deserve it. And again, while it's stewing inside, it can cloud judgment. It can allow us to harbor resentment and ultimately just drive disengagement in a change initiative and a change goal. Transference is all about venting, right? So we're going to vent to anyone who will listen about how horrible this is, about how much this change initiative sucks. But when we do that, you're not changing the energetic signature. It's just you're just moving the energy around and it kind of remains stale. But the power is in transformance, right? When you can transform through the power of choice, you can begin changing that that signature, right? Transforming anxiety into anticipation, transforming fear into hope, transforming anger into joy, right? And then that happens through the power of choice, and that's what change enthusiasm invites, right? Through those three steps, the signal, those really strong, difficult emotions, they welcome us, their gifts into our opportunities, which is that second step, the opportunity. You're weighing options, exploring what's possible, knowing I'm in a moment to grow, I'm gonna evolve and become better. And then that final step is the choice. It is up to you. We are all sitting in the seat of choice in every aspect of our lives. And it's up to us from day to day, moment to moment, how we choose to be in that moment, how we grow, how we evolve.
0: You mentioned one of the other pitfalls a moment ago of the tendency for a lot of us to focus too heavily on the change vision and the roles and the responsibilities and not really enough on employee well-being and fulfillment. I don't think most leaders want to, like if you set people down and talk through it, they would say, okay, emotion's really important. We can't overlook that. But the reality is, is that a lot of companies do And organizations do overlook emotions of people during change. And I'm wondering what you have seen when someone who is going through that change process, they are under a lot of pressure from stakeholders, like you said, getting the results. What have you seen that has helped leaders in that moment to, in addition to having all the vision and the roles and responsibilities, that light bulb on, what helps them to turn Up the dimmer switch just a little bit on the emotional part
1: yeah i think the open engagement of the workforce and enrolling the workforce on the vision and execution moving forward i have seen the power of suggestion boxes the power of keeping doors open for the workforce when going towards you know a new mission a new vision uh, a big change initiative so that employees can feel enrolled and engaged And they don't feel like this is just a change that's falling upon them, that's happening to them that they didn't ask for, but that it is uh, an enrollment and engagement and something that they're doing as a team moving forward and that they have say in it. And the other thing that that does is it creates this two-way street where not only are you bringing about the the new vision, this is the direction we're going, here's the the milestones, but it's also inviting feedback from the organization. Feedback as it relates to this is what I think could be better as we think about the execution of this, as well as here's how I'm managing the change. And that two-way street is so important for heightened level of engagement, and making sure that your attrition rates (laughs) don't go through the roof when you're going through a lot of complex transformation and change. It's so important that we don't forget about the people, the humanity that's going to make the change happen. You know, I, I, I am so fortunate in that I am able to partner with other consulting firms that do change management, right? They Mm -hmm. do the standard blocking and tackling of change. They create the structure. They create the processes. They consult on the right roles and responsibilities. And to me, that is building the car. That is building the car that is going to take an organization to the change in the most efficient way. But what they forget is the fuel, the fuel is within the people and pointedly within their beliefs and their emotion. When you can get the fuel right and change enthusiasm, that's when the car really goes. And when the fuel tank is near empty, I don't care how nice that car is, it's not going to move as quickly and efficiently as you want it to. So it's so important that we, that we remember the humanity of change, those beliefs, those emotions that truly will drive that change forward.
0: And we both seen a lot of beautiful cars that never left the parking lot, right? Because <laughs> you <got> every, it. <laughs> everyone either left or the fuel wasn't there, the uh, the enthusiasm wasn't there. All right, so I want to ask you like one really practical thing on this. You mentioned suggestion boxes a moment ago, mm-hmm. and I, you know, all of us have seen those, and I remember even as a kid, you know, decades ago, seeing suggestion boxes for customers and organizations. What have you seen really work on that? Because I I know people sometimes hear something like that and they think like really cynically, okay, I'm going to put a suggestion in and nothing's going to happen. And a lot of cases, that is the case. What have you seen work for organizations and leaders to get a step beyond just the kind of like generically asking for questions that actually does connect with people emotionally during this process?
1: To actually show the employees that you care, that you're not just going through the motions, that you're not just doing this because... It's a, you know, a check in the box that you're not just giving lip service. So when I've seen organizations either set up through a physical suggestion box or now it's more, you know, anonymous uh, electronic means of providing feedback. And then during those standard communication points, they're actually summarizing the input that they're getting. They're actually highlighting kind of themes that they're seeing from the organization. They're showing how those themes have helped kind of shift or maybe even change the way that they move forward in execution. So it's no longer lip service. Employees can actually see, "Oh, not only are you asking for what you what we think, but you're actually listening." <laughs> That's when I really see, you know, the the rubber meet the road and the levels of engagement really go up when they can see that, you know, we want your input and your feedback because it is valued. You're the ones that are on the front line. You're the ones that are going to see the best way to execute this. And when they can see that that, that they actually is valued and they're doing something about it, that's when the engagement really, really goes up. And, you know, I often tell leaders and, and change enthusiasts practicing and, and change agents when you're leading big these big initiatives, agility and not being rigid is such an important soft skill, you know, and I think Jeff Bezos does this brilliantly. He gets dead set on a vision, dead set on where he's going, you know, outcome focused, but very loose in execution knowing that the brilliant minds in his organization will probably think of a much quicker, more efficient, seamless way of getting to that vision than he ever could. And so I think it's so important that as leaders, we stay agile, we stay open-minded, we invite and inspire best solutions, best practices, as we're thinking about executing against a given mission or vision.
0: Hmm. Wow. You know, it's interesting how often we don't think to come back to that from a leadership standpoint, like we put out a suggestion box or a survey and we ask everyone for input and then it sort of goes into, it feels like it goes into a black hole somewhere and someone read it, right? Or saw it or integrated it. But it's interesting (laughs) how few organizations actually intentionally come back to the people they've surveyed and said, here's what you said. And here's what we heard, and then maybe go the next step to say, here's what we're going to move on, and here's what we're intentionally not going going to address right now, and here's why, and explaining that. And boy, the power that that would really move things on that so many organizations don't do is, is is so much opportunity just in that.
1: Yeah, and it does. I've seen it firsthand when it's done that way. When it's done well, it does. And you know that you talk about communication. That's another one of those soft skills that are imperative. Uh, as leaders, as leadership teams that we leverage when we're going through change, you know, as you think about changing belief and, and leveraging emotion as fuel, I strongly believe, firmly believe that sustained change cannot happen without sustained change in belief right, to understand what are the beliefs that are going to nurture this new place that we want to move to? What are the beliefs that are going to drive this change forward? And ensuring that the communication is reinforcing and inspiring those beliefs. And I think by showing that you value the input from the organization, that you're listening, that you're allowing their feedback, their input to help guide you, that is nurturing the belief that my leadership cares, that I am enrolled, that I'm involved in this in you know involved in this change, that the vision is is right, that we are moving in the right direction and that I'm an important part of this organization and this business moving forward.
0: You said a bit ago that one of the mistakes we tend to make as leaders is we don't really embrace the fact that everyone wears change differently. And I know many of us have experienced change and we've watched people handle change all kinds of different ways. I'm curious, what should be a flag for us in a leadership situation when we, when something either we're seeing or not seeing from a member of our team or maybe the team as a whole? That's maybe an indicator to us that we are not listening well. We're not allowing people to really express those signal emotions.
1: Yeah, it's a, it's a great question. And usually it looks like disengagement. Usually it looks like apathy from individual to individual. Maybe it's a slight decline in performance. Maybe it's being tardy to things. There's all kinds of little signals. But this is what I say. Get ahead of uh, having these flags and I always invite managers of others when you're going through a big change or transformation on every single direct report one-on-one have a standing agenda item of simply a check-in and I call them change check-ins five minutes dedicated every agenda simply to ask, how are you managing the change? And then listening, actually actively listening. And this again, and this is this power of empathy when we can hold space for individuals to emote, to share how they're managing the change, that's going to make them feel valued. That's going to know that they're being heard and that you are walking with them in the change. And it's so powerful. It's so powerful. So it's important that we stay in tune and keep that, like I said, two-way communication open. And a powerful way to do that is through our one-on-ones with our direct reports, truly listening to those individuals as they're working through the change. And then of course, asking that all-powerful question, how can I support? How can I support? And then actually listening, following up, and providing that action or whatever it is that they're requesting of you to support them moving forward. But yes, I can't understate the power of empathy enough um, when going through big change in in large organizations, or even small ones for that matter, anything dealing with another person, with another human being.
0: I love that invitation to have that as a regular part of the one-on-one or the check-in or the meeting agenda, because speaking to people handling change, Differently, right? It, also, the timeline that people cha- handle change differently is really different. Like, some people are like, okay, three days later, I'm ready. You know, I went mm-hmm. through, I, I noticed my signal emotions. I see the opportunity. I'm ready to go. And the person in the next room is going to take six months to get there. Yeah. And realizing, I think that it's not an event. I mean, an event may have triggered the change, but like the change itself is actually a process. It's ongoing and not to assume that like, okay, just because like we check this box this day doesn't mean that it's done, right?
1: Right. Right. And, and of course, there are times and I have certainly, you know, in the organizations that I have led, there are initiatives, there are innovations that have timelines, that have deadlines um, where you don't have the ability to really reach out, get input from the from the organization. And you have metrics you have to meet in very, very short timelines where you can't take six months to get on board. Right. So I know that that is often a reality. And even in those situations, I just think that it's imperative that while stating the milestone, while stating the objective and where we need to go, that you're still walking with that individual step-by-step as you move there. And recognizing that, you know, maybe they are getting on board a little bit slower and that they might need more support, that they might need a longer than five-minute check-in as you're going through it. Uh, That just simply might be the case. So, again, it's important and prudent upon us that we're meeting our business objectives, our deliverables and those timelines, but still having that sensitivity and sharing that empathy, knowing that everyone's still going to wear it a bit differently. And oftentimes to, to kind of help individuals transform that energy, I often like to talk about the part of the change that excites me. The part of the change that lights me up, uh, um, you know, that I'm that I'm so excited about when I think about achieving it, when I think about being in that next place, and that often can inspire that same level of emotion from the organization. Because again, emotional contagion, it's real.
0: Yeah, indeed. No, what a great reminder. I, I know one of the things that you have found in your work with leaders is that effective leadership during change gives people the opportunity to have genuine productive outlets for expressing and emoting throughout the change life cycle. And I, I'm I'm wondering what that looks like when you think about those outlets that tend to work for people to give them that opportunity to engage in the in the process. What's an example of that?
1: Yeah, there are multiple ways. It can either be the one-on-ones where you're having those five minute standard change check-ins which can be a lot more intimate because it's just you and the direct reporter, you and your manager. The other ways are through those common or frequent communication touch points with the whole organization where you're offering, okay, we're going to take 30 minutes. We have all the senior leaders here. Any questions you have, talk to us. Any concerns you have, talk to us. And of course, this is really going to be dependent upon what is the culture that you've nurtured in the organization and what's going to work best for you and your team. But there are many ways of doing that. The spirit of it is just keeping that two-way communication, keeping those avenues available to employees, whether that be directly to their management or whether that be in larger settings like a town hall, like large team meetings, just making sure that there is some outlet, some way, for those emotions um, and that that energy and that perspective to flow. And of course you know with, with me and, and my firm it's it's through our trainings, it's through our workshops uh, and we're able to really dive in deep and, and understand you know the sentiment, the thoughts, all that emotional energy while sitting in that room and recognizing that if we're all feeling this then we're in this massive moment of opportunity. It's an opportunity for the business to grow. And more importantly, it's an opportunity for us to grow as individuals. Um, And again, this always nurtures really self-actualized growth in the face of every change. I am going to grow in this moment uh, and I'm going to find a way to do that. Um, So, yeah, there are multiple outlets, uh, but find the one that's going to work best for the culture that you're in uh, and the organization that you're a part of.
0: It really uh, leads me to. I think my favorite line I've heard from you in your work is, "Changes aren't happening to you; they're happening for you." Every time, yeah. You know, if we can get to ourselves as leaders, and through some of these practices, be a lot more likely to bring those in the organization along with us. um, You know, what a great opportunity to then have choice to engage in the change versus the. Frustration that we often face with change, and then of course, uh, you know, turnover and all the things that tend to happen when this isn't handled well. And if and sadly, there's so many examples of where this doesn't happen well.
1: You got it. Yeah, it's like in this strategy, in these steps, in the book, which I've written, really to be like a workbook, like a playbook for anyone who wants to practice this mindset. Yeah, it is. I am I am putting strategy and and a structure to a growth mindset. You know, so often we are we are told, we hear the power of having a growth mindset. Have a growth mindset when you're going through change. But seldomly are you given a roadmap. <laughs> are you given a roadmap to okay, yeah. what does it mean to have a growth mindset? How can I do that? That's what change enthusiasm has established. It is a stepped process that you can actually begin practicing, literally transforming the chemistry of your brain, rewiring pathways, wearing new grooves so that you can build that resilience muscle so that you know a way to see change as opportunity. And you can begin to trust that when the big change hits, ooh, it's happening for me. I'm about to grow. I don't know how, but I'm going to practice this mindset. I'm going to use these tools that I have and change enthusiasm to find that. And I'm going to become better today than I was yesterday.
0: Yeah. And what a beautiful lens you bring from not only your own experience, but your training in chemical engineering. I mean, just thinking about energy and entropy and all the things that go along with your discipline that you were trained in and and so much of that does come out in emotion and fuel and how we drive change i mean it's really it's really interesting the physics of it when we just think about it through that lens how much there's an opportunity for us as leaders to facilitate, and if we do that well, what a great framework to follow. So I hope that folks will find the book, Change Enthusiasm. If this is you and your organization right now, uh, like Cassandra said, you know if you've heard that growth mindset phrase like so many of us have heard, and, and then be able to put a framework around it, what a great way to do that. So we're going to link it up in this week's episode notes. Of course, it'll be in this week's weekly guide for everyone. Cassandra Worthy is the author of Change Enthusiasm, How to Harness the Power of Emotion for Leadership and Success. Cassandra, thank you so much for your work and your enthusiasm.
1: Thank you so much, Dave, for having me. And thank you to the listeners. I appreciate y'all.
0: If this conversation was helpful to you, a few related episodes I'd recommend. One of them is episode 404, How to Build Psychological Safety. Amy Edmondson, the leading thinker on psychological safety, was my guest on that episode. We talked about what you can do as an individual leader to create safety in your team and your organization, even in spite of perhaps that not happening in the larger organization, how you can do a lot to create that. And as we talked about in today's conversation, the importance of folks being able to articulate emotion, the human side of things going on. Episode 404, a great starting point for that. I'd also recommend episode 512, The Way Innovators Get Traction with Tendai Vicky. Tendai and I, in that conversation, talked about how as an innovator inside an organization, you can do some practical things to get a bit more traction. Uh, An important episode to listen to, especially if you are someone working inside of an innovation department or you're charged with innovation inside a larger organization. Or maybe you're supporting someone who's doing that or uh, overseeing someone who's doing that. So many things that come up for innovators inside a larger organization. Tendai has some really practical ways of looking at that. Episode 512 for more details there. And then finally, I'd recommend episode 557, Overcome Resistance to New Ideas. David Schoenthal was my guest on that episode. We talked about change. Through the framework of friction and not fuel, Uh, his model that him and his co-author have created looking at change and facing the reality that a lot of us tend to think of change as fuel. How do we accelerate? How do we push? How do we move things forward? And we tend not to think about the friction that shows up when change happens, the resistance and how we can work through that and address it proactively. Episode 557 for that. All of those episodes you can find on the coachingforleaders.com website. I'm inviting you today to set up your free membership. If you haven't done so already, there's a ton of benefits inside the free membership at coachingforleaders.com. One of them is my weekly leadership guide. Each week, I sit down for an hour or two and write up all of the notes from the episode that has just aired, I put the links in for the things that I think are going to be most critical for you, uh, the graphic, of course, all of the things that we mention in the episode, and the related episodes, as I just mentioned. And then, in addition, several resources that I found for you in uh, other podcasts, articles, uh, some of the popular publications. I'm always looking at the Wall Street Journal and New York Times and Forbes and what folks are writing out there. And I'm putting those in together one email each week, and I send that out usually around midweek. It's one of the many benefits of free membership. So if you aren't already receiving that, go over to coachingforleaders.com, set up your free membership. You'll have access to it all with us and, in addition, all the other benefits inside of our website. Next week, I'm glad to welcome Keith Ferrazzi back to the show. He is going to be back. To discuss with us the key indicators of team resilience. Join me for that conversation with Keith, and I'll see you next Monday.